Hey there. This is Story Story Late Night, the positively shameless black sheep of the Story Story Night family, where you hear bleep-worthy stories on an unblushing theme told live at the adults-only Visual Arts Collective. I'm artistic director Jody Eichelberger. During this summer season, we divide the phrase liar, liar, pants on fire into three parts. This month, we get into your pants. Our July 25th, 2017 show with featured storytellers Bob Haycock, Valerie Pagini, and Casey Hunt. The host for the evening was Boise's blonde bombshell Minerva Jane. Keep your pants on. It's time for Late Night Stories. Please welcome Bob Haycock. I was on uh, the stage a couple years ago and told a, a, a slammer for uh, Late Night, and it was about a humiliating, humiliating story about a hemorrhoid I had. So I know why am I doing this? So it's a in that in that vein, I'll I'll just wade in again, I guess. Um, so it was uh, let's see, about eight years ago, uh, uh, Boise State had got invited to a bowl game uh, in San Diego, and two buddies of mine decided we were, we wanted to go. And we were going to leave our wives behind and just drive down, do it, you know, rocket old school. We were going to pile in a car, one room, roll away bed, just just do it the way we used to do in college. And so uh, the morning we were going to uh, leave and drive down, I uh, was probably mid mid morning or so, uh, and I leaving my house, and my wife was working in her office. It was pretty um, not a really exciting. Uh, farewell at all, but I went to pick up my friend Matt, who was in, in my neighborhood, and um, his wife was, they'd been married 20-some years, and, and uh, his his wife had packed him a care package, and it was granola bars and things. I think he's diabetic, so they, she wanted to make sure he had sugar and stuff, but it was really sweet, right? They'd been married since I just barely out of, out of high school, and so we got in a car, and we picked up my other friend, um, Tab, and that's real name, Tab, and we, his, same thing, his wife had packed him some, not, you know, not that we're incapable of packing a, a package, but it was just nice. It was just one of those sweet things you did, not a requirement. It was just a nice thing married couples did. But it really, I was kind of, um, you know, I don't know, envious, I guess, because even though I'd only been married nine years, we, we didn't do, we'd stop doing those things for each other. I didn't have a, a care package. And one of the guys had um, bugles. Have you ever had bugles? They're like so delicious. I've never had them outside of a car ever, but they're amazing. So he had bugles and I didn't. But anyway, so, and, and, but in reality is it was actually the kind of the tail end of this nine year marriage. It was, it was fading away. I know. Uh, and we just stopped doing those little things, but so anyway, so we drove down to San Diego, and and, and I had made, uh, you know, and aside from no care packages, I certainly hadn't, we hadn't been taking our pants off around each other much either at the end of the wedding, which happens, and it's unfortunate. So we drive to San Diego, and I I had I had made um, the reservations because I knew San Diego. I used to live in San Diego, and I made a a reservation at a hotel. It's called the Lincoln Hotel. It's on in a, an area of San Diego called the Gas Lamp District, which is you just kind of walk around, really cool place to walk around. But it's a one bedroom, and 
and we are two two beds and we we walk into the the hotel and into our room and it was um uh i ordered two beds there was one room on the left and one room on the right and they had just enough room for a single bed in each and and right directly in front of the front door was the bathroom it was just on the other side just barely enough room to walk in and we and we knew we had to get a rollaway bed and it was going to have to fit there somehow um so we'd asked for the rollover bed to be brought up while we went out and had dinner and, and, and started drinking. So we leave and we're walking around the Embarcadero downtown, having a great time. It's January in San Diego. Um, and Tab um, says, you know, my feet hurt and I, I, and I want to go back to the room and go to bed. And it's like 9 o'clock. Right? <laughs> Come on, we you know we thought we left our wives at home, you know, this bad joke. But it was, but he was a very single-minded person, and, and he went back to the hotel. And Matt and I stayed out drinking till you know about I don't know two in the morning. And we found, we were walk and we we're walking around. We weren't driving, of course, and we we're we we're walking back to the hotel, and we were smart enough to get a couple of bottles of water because we knew we were going to be dehydrated. And um, we get to the hotel room, and I go to open the door, and it only, it only opens, at like nudges, like 12, 12 inches, and it won't open all the way. And I look inside, and the rollaway bed was right in the middle of this foyer with the foot of the bed at the front door and the head at the bathroom door. The only place he could put it was so small. So we kind of squeezed in to the, the room, and... Matt went to his room on the right, and I went to my room on the left, and um, and I get ready for bed. Um, but you know, I drink a lot and drink a lot of water, and I'm like, and you know, I've got to pee. I, I realize, and <clears throat> and when you're at my age, when you the, that clock starts ticking, like you got to pee, there's just no stopping it. It's it's gonna it's gonna come. So I walk out into the foyer and. Um, and Tab's in there with his head up against the bathroom door. There's no room at all. So a couple important points, I guess. Um, I don't have any pants on. I'm, I'm completely naked. I've slept in the raw since I was 10. I don't like to be constrained, I guess. But So I'm naked, um, and, and Tab um, sleeps on his back. And he's a mouth breather. And the bed is about so high. And I'm looking at the door, and I've, I've got to pee. I have, and there's no bathroom in the lobby. This is an old lobby. And I've got to pee, and I'm working at the angles, and I'm like, how am I get? And I didn't want to wake him up, because I'm a, I'm a gentleman, right? And so there's no way I could get in the bathroom without teabagging my friend Tab. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, he's got these, you know, soft bubblegum lips and... <laughs> I, I hadn't had sex in a while. And it was... But I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And then I had, I had to pee and I'm drunk and I'm naked. And I'm like... The water bottle. I've got this now empty water bottle in my room. I'll just pee in the water bottle. Yeah. So, 
I'll let you ladies in on a little kind of secret here. There's a good reason why we should sit on the toilet versus standing and peeing. And it's not because we're bad aim. We can line it up exactly where we want it to be. It says where the pee comes out is very unpredictable. It could go right, it could go left. Now, believe it or not, sometimes it comes out in two streams. Then be counting how the skin's like sticking together that morning. I swear to God, I was like five, six years old, and I was in the, my dad was getting ready for work, and I was in the bathroom with him, and I saw two streams of pee kind of like, and I thought he had two dicks for, I really, for years, I was waiting for my second penis to come in. And it, it didn't, thank God. Um, but I'm laying there with, and I've got the bottle, and I'm like, I've got a penis bottle with a very unpredictable pee stream. And I'm holding this bottle, and I, and I just, I start going. And boy, I nailed it. I mean, it was like a diamond cutter. It was just perfect. No pee on the outside, and I'm like, to great relief. This bottle is filling up, and, and a, a couple sensations come over right away. It's a very thin bottle. Um, and I can feel the, the pee is very hot. It is super hot. I have never been peed on. It's not my thing, but it was really hot. And, it's, and the other is like, it's filling up really fast. I mean, I've peed in a cup for like samples for whatever, but it's like, I can fill up a bottle. It's coming up fast and it's, and once you, you start, I can't stop and it's, the bottle's filling and I can't stop and the, gap is shrinking really quickly and I'm starting to panic like what am I gonna do I'm looking for another I don't have another bottle so it's getting to the top and finally I just like pull off or pull out and I just like spray the rest of the pee around the room I didn't know what to do with it so it's like all over the room and I'm like so I grab a t-shirt and I'm swabbing it up you know like the lamp and the clock and the phone and as much as I totally can swab up my urine. And I, I put, a, you know, the cap on the bottle, which I kept, and I'm like, not Mountain Dew, <laughs> metal note. And, um, you know, I get up the next morning and I tell Tab and Matt and, and they're laughing their asses off and calling me, you know, bottle peer, the rest of it. The, and they're not very funny, so that's all they can come a bottle peer. We go, we go to the game that afternoon, and it was at the San Diego Chargers um, Stadium. And I realized, you know, the last time I was there was four years previous, and, and I was at the Super Bowl there. And my wife had surprised me on my birthday and, and bought Super Bowl tickets for me. And we went down to San Diego and we had a, an absolutely wonderful time. It was fantastic. Did all the zoos, had the Hotel Del Coronado. It was just a great, great, great weekend. And it was only four years previous. And I found myself sitting there watching the game thinking, what the hell happened? I mean, this is only four years ago. And now those little things we did, you know, packing bugles for each other, just had, had stopped. And it was made me really kind of melancholy, and, and, but actually anxious to get, get home and, and, and see my wife. 
And I, you know, I know these these stories up here are supposed to have a big ta-da moment and a dismount kind of thing, like, you know, Tab and I became lovers, and you know, we've been teabagging each other ever since, you know. But it's, that's not what happened. It was actually kind of a soft landing. Where, so I went home and talked talked to my wife and I told her the the peeing in a bottle story, and and um, I thought it was funny. It was a funny story, right? And she was not amused and thought it was kind of crass, right? Which I guess it is. But, you know, we didn't get divorced because she didn't laugh at my peeing in a bottle story. That's not it. But it's just one of those, you know, hundreds of things that stack on top of a relationship that when sometimes the joy just disappears. So the nice part of it is that we did, you know, we looked at each other at one point very shortly after and, and told each other that, you know, we loved each other. We just don't want to be married to each other anymore. Does that make sense? And and so we gave each other permission to, um, you know, find try to find somebody else that would be that we want to take our pants off for the rest of our lives, and we did that. And we're uh, the most happily divorced couple I think you've ever met. So, thank you. Please welcome Valerie Pagini. Hi, um, so my name's Valerie, and my story, of course, is about pants. And let me give you a little bit of background. I'm working, I just retired recently after 35 years as a technical editor <clears throat> in California, Silicon Valley. Very, very uh, hectic, you know, atmosphere and... Uh, Anyway, I'm, I'm working at this, this company, and um, I'm, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm nervous. Um, I, uh, I'm working so hard and so fast and so feverishly being an editor. An editor has to be perfect. Everyone else can make a mistake, but not an editor. Uh, because you're the person that looks at the final proof, right? And if there's any mistakes, you're fired. So I was always so nervous and I was like running around crazy and I worked in the publications department and uh, right next to my department in typesetting and that sort of thing was the um, photography department. And, um, you know, as a fairly attractive young woman, they were always coming over to me and asking me if I would photograph or allow myself to be photographed by them. And I thought, well, you know, I'm kind of flattered. That sounds kind of neat. But um, they wanted to, you know, they wanted me to be nude, to take my clothes off. And I said, mm, 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 mm. I don't think I can do that. So, um, you know, I have a baby and, uh, you know, time goes on and they're still asking me. And um, my daughter's about two years old, maybe one year old at that time. I'm a single mom for a really long time and money is really, really tight, okay? And because this is a good old boys club, I have to be very careful and ensure that I'm always presenting myself in a very professional manner. So I knew that this posing nude would not, you know, work into that uh, picture, right? And so I said, no, you know, I, I, I just, I can't do it. I wish I could, I wish I could just like loosen up, but I, I couldn't. All right, so, so fast forward, um, I had to go through all this, you know, stuff, and I, I did end up getting my picture taken, but with all my clothes on, I had to pay the guy 200 bucks. So anyway, um, so my, my job is so, makes me so nervous, and as you can probably tell, I'm a little bit hyper and kind of a nervous type of a person. 
And um, so I was eating like, uh, well, first of all, let me say, I wanted to dress just very sharp. Uh, all the executives wore suits and ties, right? And so I wanted to dress, you know, equally as sharp because you, you uh, dress to impress, right? And I was nervous about uh, my job and I just wanted to look really sharp, okay? So I wore beautiful clothes and um, I was nervous, so I'm eating candy bars and drinking coffee like crazy, right? And I'm eating a candy bar and I'm, I'm walking around and I start to gain weight. And my clothes didn't fit anymore, it was horrible, I hate that. So I switched to carrots dipped in um, Hidden Valley Ranch dressing. And um, that is less calories, but still, there's a little bit of an issue with that. So I'm on the computer, I'm typing away, and I'm talking on the phone, I'm talking to people, and I, I grab the carrot and I dip it in the, in the Hidden Valley Ranch dressing, and it slips out of my fingers and it lands on my shirt and it rolls around, I kid you not, and lands right in my lap, ruined. Beautiful silk blouse, gorgeous crepe skirt, totally fucked up. Oh, excuse me. And so for the rest of the day, I had to wear a, um, a lab coat, for crying out loud. And it was like a huge lab coat, right? Because I'm really small. And I had to hold it together with my badge up here all day. Not very professional, but it's better than looking like, you know, having all that food all over you, right? So I decide gum. Gum would be better, like sugarless gum. And I was so nervous all the time. I'm chewing that gum and I'm drinking a coffee and I'm talking on the phone. I'm talking to customers, you know, and I'm proofreading and I'm just so, you know, hyped out. Well, this one day, fast forward, right? So I'm getting ready for work. It's hot in California, like it is today, right? And I get all dressed up. I look so sharp this day. And I had just purchased this new lingerie by Victoria's Secret. And it was a uh, nude color and it looked perfect underneath my uh, crepey white skirt outfit. So a skirt is like a skirt and shorts, right? And I just felt so good that day. And I go into work, right? And you know, I'm working feverishly. I got my gum, I got my coffee, not gonna gain any weight, right? And I'm chewing away. And all I'm working here and drinking like the coffee, as I said, I start to realize, oh my God, I gotta go pee. I gotta pee right now. So I close out my computer, you know, hang up the phone. I get up, I start walking over to the ladies' room. And I go in there and I sit down, right? And um, I grab the toilet paper like I do. I pull it out like this and then I fold it up into my hand, nice neat little fold. I take the gum out and I'm sitting there kind of, kind of wigging out or something. You know, I gotta go downstairs and I gotta call that guy afterwards. I got something to do at one o'clock, something to do at two o'clock. And then, uh, you know, I got stuff to do tonight. Anyway, so I clean myself up, right? And I get out and I look at myself in the mirror, make sure thing, everything is tucked in right right? And uh, I start to walk downstairs. And as I'm walking downstairs, go to the cafeteria, because I'm hungry now for food, um, I felt like a tugging in the, my, the pubic hair. And I thought, for the love of Pete, I just bought this really expensive underwear, and the elastic is already coming out. And it's wrapping around my pubic hair. And it, it was really super uncomfortable, right? And I thought, well, I'll just get the damn salad, God, right? And so I get my salad and um, it's starting to bother me quite a bit. And as I'm paying for it, I feel this menthol feeling wafting up from the nether region, I tell you. And I thought, holy shit, what did I do? What was I sitting on? And then how was I sitting to get that way up in there, right? I mean, that was just crazy. Could have been on a horse or on a bicycle. But I didn't ride a horse to work, nor did I ride a bike. So what wasn't? So 
I pay for my salad, I walk back to the ladies room, right? And I get in there, I sit down, I pull everything down, there's this hot, sticky gum. Oh, I must have, you know, when I dropped it off in my tissue, I should have thrown it away, but instead I wiped it all over my hoo-ha, so. Anyway, uh, here I am, trying to pick it out of this really pretty underwear, it's ruined, ruined. And, uh, you know, off of the hair, it's all over the hair. It's like right up in the skin. It was just so awful. And that was like at 11.30 in the morning. I had to go back up to work, you know, had to put on my happy face. And um, I worked with a lot of engineers and they were mostly men, okay? And because, as I mentioned, it was a good old boys club and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of that weird stuff going on where you know, people would, oh, I can't think of the right word. Um, as I said, it was a good old boys club. People wanted to photograph me, you know, from the photography department, right? So I had to be really super careful. I didn't want to call attention to, you know, anything around there, right? So I said to a coworker, I didn't tell him where the issue was, but I said, hey, what would you do if you had gum in your hair or your clothing? He goes, well, lighter fluid would work. <laughs> And, um, you know, all of a sudden I felt my eyes kind of do that thing like honk, you know, no, 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 that's, that's not going to work. So I said, thank you very much. And I went back and, and I, their underwear was ruined. I had to spend the rest of the day like that. But at least knowing what it was, I wasn't afraid that I'd sat on something. And um, let's go back to the beginning of the story when that guy wanted, or several guys wanted to take pictures of me naked, right? Well, I found out that um, all those guys that worked in the photography department did find women who would pose for them naked, right? You know, they'd pay them and they'd pose naked, right? And the pictures were lovely. They had them hanging up in their locker. So everybody knew that you had, you know, done this. So I was just so thankful that I didn't do that. And um, I have a really, I think I have a really funny sense of humor. Lee, do you like my humor? Right? I'm funny. I am very funny, right? So I knew that my facade of being, you know, very professional had worked all these years because one day, you know, people bring stuff in for food at work, right? You've got too much food at home, you bring it into work, everyone will eat it, right? Somebody brought in some cherries, and there was this one, I swear to God, it was a phallic-looking cherry. It looked like it had two big giant balls and a dick coming out of the front of it. And I'm not lying, it was, it really looked funny. So, I put it on a co-worker's desk, a guy who I knew was funny. He was in the Air Force, and you know those people. Anyone in the <laughs> services, right? You know, they got a really good sense of uh, sexy, funny humor, right? So anyway, I placed it there. He had no idea it was me, and he was asking everyone one in the workplace and uh, finally he comes into my office you know I'm sitting down like this and this is like a week later right he doesn't ever come in to talk to me and uh, I knew he was kind of you know sidling up like you know wasn't you know and I turn around I look at him I'm not good I don't have good pa poker face and he says um, did you uh, and I go what <laughs> he goes was it you oh my god he couldn't believe it was me so that's when I realized I had you know just kind of uh, fixed myself up to be the professional facade and no one knew that I was a closet you know secret you know crazy a person with gum in their underwear and that kind of stuff so anyway that's my story give a warm welcome to Casey Hunt so I have two tattoos 
And luckily they can both be covered by my pants because they're both sort of embarrassing for different reasons, uh, which I'll, I will get to. Uh, I promise I'll show you both tattoos by the end of the story. Thanks. And uh, I guess we'll start with, um, with this one, uh, which I know it's gonna be kinda hard for you guys to see, so uh, that's why I brought out this stool, but I will describe it after this, uh, just so, so I can uh, prove that I have it, and then I'll describe what's on it, all right? Can you see that? You get a picture of that? All right, oh. shaky stool. All right. Now that my life is no longer in danger, I, uh, I call this my Frankenstein tattoo. Not because there's a picture of Frankenstein, but because it was actually done by two different people and sort of like stitched together, sort of like that monster. All right, so what it is, is uh, it's uh, two, well, it's two halves of one broken skateboard and they're sort of sandwiched like that and they form a heart, right? And, oh yeah, I know. And then there's two banners and, uh, and a spider web in the back and then uh, the banners, in the banner it says, skate and destroy. <laughs> now the problem is, I don't fucking skate anymore. <laughs> and if you don't see why that's a problem, just imagine if the, the can you hear me now guy would have gotten a Verizon wireless tattoo back in the day and then now he works at Sprint. <laughs> So it's sort of embarrassing, but uh, you know, at the time, I was 19 years old, and I had just realized that I'm 19 years old and I can do whatever the hell I want. And so I was driving around Twin Falls, Idaho. and randomly just didn't tell anybody pulled into a tattoo shop i'd never seen before and <laughs> and had the guy tattoo uh this symbol that i'd seen in in like thrasher magazine uh when i was like 16 and i always thought like if i get a tattoo that's the one i'm gonna get so he finished the uh the broken skateboard heart and one of the banners right and he left the banner empty because i was going to come back and finish it well, it stayed empty for like a year. And just to be funny, I would have my friends like write stuff in Sharpie in it, you know? And the word poop was really popular, with, you know, back then. And uh, so it stayed empty for like a year until my friend Timothy Hodge, um, which he did both of my tattoos actually. Uh, he started his career, his tattoo career about that time. And he's, doing amazing work now in Oregon, and uh, the, the photorealism that he does is just, it's jaw-dropping. So I'm really proud to actually be tattooed by him, like, really early on. Um, and I had him finish out the top banner and the spider web and uh, fill in Skate and Destroy in the Thrasher logo. Pretty cool, right? But uh, as I said, I don't... I can skate anymore. 
<laughs> so now I just have a, a stupid skateboarding tattoo. And, uh, but it's okay because I know what the what it really means, and uh, and it was great to support him when he was first starting out. We we were in Twin Falls at the time, um, which we actually uh, grew up in Jerome, Idaho, which is is actually about 30 miles away. Why are you applauding Jerome? That place sucks. There is nothing there, hence why uh, between there's what cheese and cows. Yes. Yeah, and they both stink. <laughs> so it wasn't a good place for a, uh, a guy like me, you know? There's just nothing there. So when, when all of my friends who were older than me moved away from college, uh, I was left in, in between my junior and senior year. Um, I just drove to Twin all the time and hung out at the skate park. And that's what I did. And um, you know, that's where I met Tim, who years later informed me that he had hated me right at first. <laughs> because we met in Jerome Middle School, and the way he tells the story, he, was, he wasn't allowed to go get a drink during class, and so he waited all class period to go get a drink, and he gets in line at the drinking fountain, and he's just so thirsty. He can already taste the water, you know, and he has to wait his turn. He's just inching closer and closer to this water fountain, and finally, it's, uh, the, it's almost his turn. The guy in front of him finishes up, and then I come in out of nowhere and just snake his spot in line, drink the water, and say something, uh, you know, like a middle school kid. Casey would have said, you know, something insulting. I don't know. I, I basically stole his place in line and then said, insulted him. And uh, he hated me for the next like six years. <laughs> and, and I know it was me because he specifically remembers these blue snowboarding pants that I would wear all the time because I thought I was cool. <laughs> like I wore these pants to school. It's, uh, it's very, very stupid. And... <laughs> Not a good look, but um, you know, I was in middle school, and uh, so so. Flash forward, I, you know, we get we, we're both hanging out at the skate park every day. We start filming um, our our skate tricks and stuff, and we become really good friends. You know, for the next few years, um, we did a lot of stuff together. I mean, we got into some shit. Uh, you know, we played real live bumper cars downtown through the alleys. Um, we stole a bunch of mannequins and threw them off the second story of the Christian bookstore downtown. <laughs> you know, it was just, there, it, there's something freeing about being that age and realizing that you have the ability to break the law, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's just pushing boundaries and, and you know, losing faith and... Uh, it's good times, good times. I, I, drove a, I drove a Ford Ranchero, you know? Punk as fuck, you guys. And uh, so I, I wanted him, I found out he was doing tattoos. And, and so I, had, I went to him, had this one finished up. Um, it was great. Um, even though I don't skateboard anymore, there's a little bit of a secret meaning in here. Because with the heart, um, and the way that the spider web is in the background, um, there, three, there are three of these spider web uh, 
things coming off this side of the heart. And the reason I'm telling you this is because uh, during those few years, we had, um, you know, a group, a little group of like hell-raising friends that would skate and destroy. I was always more into the destroy part, you know, but um, we call ourselves the Badgers. And we had this, uh, this symbol that we would spray paint under bridges, we'd have it on our grip tape, just everywhere, the badgers, and it was a heart with like a, like a flash art, little gun, and then the, the bullet line going through the heart, and then a blood splatter at the back, right? <laughs> now all of that got simplified to just like a heart with three lines going off that side. And so that's what we would, that was our symbol, the badger symbol, just a heart and three lines coming off like that. And so it's, it's still really meaningful to me, but um, you know, flash forward a little bit, maybe about another year later, um, we're sitting in my living room and he's giving a tattoo to a girl because he, you know, when he first started, he didn't work at a shop or anything. He was just practicing on friends or whatever. We'd throw him some money. Um, and, and, and it was good. He was, he was good right from the beginning. But um, so she is laying on my girlfriend's hope chest. And there's about, you know, six or seven people all gathered around. And she's getting a tattoo. She's like laid back. And the tattoo's really low, like, like pants undone. She had to like write at the pant line. And it's, it's lyrics from a bad religion song. And <laughs> while she's doing this, her boyfriend's getting, you know, he's young and he doesn't know how to fucking handle it, you know, because uh, he's getting all jealous that these people are seeing her like this. And just to break the tension, I was like, hey, Tim, uh, I just kind of wanted another tattoo, you know, but I didn't want to, you know, just ask him to give a free tattoo, you know what I mean? So um, I didn't want him to have to do all that work. So I just said, I just want another tattoo. Why don't you do something stupid while you got your stuff out and, um, you know, just sign your name on my body somewhere, right? And of course, Six or seven, you know, 20-year-olds, they're like, do it on your ass! Do it on your ass! And I can't resist that kind of peer pressure, you know? <laughs> so he did it. He signed his name on my ass with a little badger's heart in green. And I'll show you that one in a minute, but... Uh, <laughs> The rest of the story is that, uh, you know, we sort of uh, drifted away. He moved out to Salem, Oregon, where he's um, working at a tattoo shop out there, growing legal weed, and just uh, really has his life together, you know? <laughs> and, and meanwhile, um, I miraculously graduated from college, uh, even though I thought I had dropped out months ago. They sent me a diploma anyway. <laughs> And I started doing stand-up comedy. And I was about a year into it. And it, I, I was going to, I was traveling to a show on my birthday um, in Salem, Oregon, which I didn't know he lived at, but then we, we got to talking on the phone. 
and you know he was he was really stoked we were going to stay at his house and you know um he was going to come to the show we're going to spend a couple days together it's going to be awesome and so that's what i'm thinking about on the drive it's you know maybe an eight hour drive from where we were at and the whole time i'm just thinking oh this is great because i knew i was going to do some uh, material about jerome and what it was like to grow up there and um, he was gonna know exactly what I was talking about, and he, some little references that maybe not everybody would get, and stuff like that. And, um, <laughs> you know, so I started going over the lines, and I was just so uh, stoked about it, because I, I wanted to make sure to include a couple special things that maybe he would get and stuff. So, uh, you know, for instance, like, uh, Jerome, their, their slogan as you come into town on this sign is Jerome right in the middle of fun. <laughs> Which is kind of like saying, yeah, yeah, we know there's no fun right here, you know, but if you go 50 miles in any direction, you'll find yourself some fun. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know, <laughs> just... Uh, and so I'm thinking about it, going over my set, and I come to this line that's in that bit that goes like, uh, I say, remember when Robert killed himself? It's a lot funnier in the bit, trust me, in the context. Um, but then I stop and I remember that Tim's brother Ben had killed himself a few years earlier and I had spoken to him on the phone that night and you know he was really upset about it obviously his brother Ben was uh, a big influence on his life and it was just a terrible thing so here I am I'm like I know I'm gonna do this bit but like I don't know how am I gonna handle this I don't want him to I don't want to you know make him feel weird about it so at that time I hadn't landed on the name Robert I was still like it was still so early when I was telling that that like I would just say whatever name came to mind so I had to remind myself don't say Ben don't say Ben so for like a day and a half straight I'm just thinking don't say Ben don't say Ben don't say Ben we get there, sleep at his house, have some beers, you know, the next day he had to go to work. So we were just hanging out all day. And, uh, and then he met us at the show, him and his girlfriend. And they're sitting probably about, about where you're at. And I'm doing my set, killing it, you know. <laughs> Until I get, in that, that, it get into that bit, and the whole time, it's like, sometimes if you rehearse a bit so often, like you can do it from memory and be thinking about something else, you know? So that's what was going on. And the whole time I'm like, hey, don't say Ben, don't say Ben, don't say Ben, don't say Ben. And then I'm like, hey, remember when Ben killed himself? Like I looked right at him. And I, I felt like, I just stopped, you know, for a second. I looked down, and I'm just thinking, like, he thinks I did that on purpose. Like, I invited him out just to remind him about how his brother killed himself. I'm such an asshole. So I finish up, I go back to the green room, and I'm just pacing around, like, oh my god. 
what did I just do? Like, it's the, it's the water fountain thing all over again, you know? I just, like, I, it was bad, you guys. You guys get it. So afterwards, we meet up. We had planned on meeting at this bar afterwards, and he showed up, and I was apologizing profusely. I told him what happened was that I, you know, I messed up that line because I was thinking, don't say Ben so much. And he's like, whoa, 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 dude. I tattooed my name on your ass. <laughs> like, I think, I think we're good enough friends that we can get past that, you know what I mean? That's the kind of bond that you can, f that he knows that I wasn't doing that on purpose. And he was real chill about it and, and, and great. And, um, you know, he's, we still talk on the phone every now and then. But that was um, one of the worst the worst uh, fuck-ups I think I've ever had on stage. But, okay, um, I think now is about the time. Okay. All right, guys, I'm Casey Hunt. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Story Story Late Night is brought to you by our story party. Amy Moran, Karis Kimball, Hannah Mae Schaefer, Karen Moore, Bob Haycock, and me, Jody Eichelberger. This project is supported by public funding for the arts through the Idaho Commission on the Arts, the Idaho Legislature, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our season sponsor, Over 19 Adult Shop, and the Pants Show sponsor, the Story Story Night Board of Directors. The Story Story Late Night theme song is by Ned Ebbett, with podcast production by Stephen Baldessari, featuring live music from Pure Ivy. Support the storied program, find upcoming shows, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter at Story Story Night.